0: Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So in our podcast this week, our good friend and regular guest, Paula Worthington, is going to join us to share her recent visit to Ireland. And with Paula, it's always an unusual spot off the beaten path that she usually visits. So I'm looking forward to that. Plus, we'll head to Jasper National Park and visit the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge to see what's planned for the upcoming holiday season. And speaking of the holiday season, we're going to start our podcast getting some tips on how to eliminate some of the stresses of holiday travel. And to help us do that... We're joined by John J. Murphy. He's a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and mentor. His website is johnjmurphy.org. Hi, John. Hi, Randy. (laughs) Thanks for uh, inviting me on your show. Well, we have the uh, holidays coming up, uh, well, Thanksgiving holiday coming up in the U.S., and then, of course, the Christmas holiday travel. So the stress and anxiety of holiday travel, uh, what makes holiday travel more stressful than any other time of year? Yeah, well, you know... uh
1: it's the it's the congestion it's the crowds it's the long lines it's the delays it's the you know missed flights it's the missed connections it's um you know even things like road rage people just getting angry on the on the highway you know when masses of people try to get together and travel uh it's a test of patience let's put
0: it that way so it's just more of everything
1: more of everything and, and a little more, uh, or a lot more uncertainty. You know, you, you're not really sure, you know, a lot of people get into a routine and they've got a very, you know, a uh, plan today and things like that. Well, you know, we make travel plans and then we have to pivot a lot, so to speak. We have to improvise because things don't always work out as we have them planned. And uh, I think that uncertainty
0: uh, stresses adds to the stress that people feel mm-hmm. i'm going to use uh air travel as a major example here but get to the airport on time if you have more time then you have uh more as you call it a buffer between uh unknown things that may happen right exactly you know and i've traveled uh randy as many as 51 out of
1: 52 weeks in a year so uh when you you, you mentioned that i'm a world traveler that's true and a lot of times i'm going to countries where i don't speak the language uh, you know, so there's a lot of uncertainty. So again, uh, the thing that we have to do is, is is try to find a inner peace, so to speak, in these situations. And that's what I write about. So with a book like uh, this, the new one, the Miracle Minded Manager, it's all about uh, living in peace in any situation. How do you get to that zone, so to speak? How do you get into that flow? Uh, I wrote a book years ago called Zen mm-hmm. How does the how do you get into that Zen? experience, because it's really all in your mind. It's not ever about what's going on around you. It's what you think about what's going around you. You know, so there's a tendency for people to think that so-and-so annoys me, or this situation annoys me, this traffic jam, or this delayed flight, or whatever. It is not that that annoys you. It's what you think of that that annoys you. So then the idea and, and stress doesn't come at you. It comes from you. It's a it's 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 in your head and then it manifests in your body and it starts, you know, uh, your, your hormonal system starts to react and you start then you start feeling it physically. But it's all it's all coming from your mind and your perception of things. And so one of the things I recommend to people, like you just said, get there early, give mm-hmm. yourself a little Zen moment, so to speak, relax, learn to breathe deeply, bring yourself, uh, bring something to do with your mind that takes your mind off of whatever it is that's bothering you, you know, bring a good book, um, you know, bring these days with, you know, smartphones and everything else, bring something that, rel- music, it's a great idea, mm-hmm. you know, you could be sitting on an airplane with a crying baby, you know, and right behind you or, uh, you know, somebody who's causing trouble and you're listening to Mozart, you know, you're listening to Andrea Bocelli <laughs> and you're just having a great time. And, you know, uh, so I, I think it's very wise to have an out, so to speak, have an, a, a, a tool or, a, a you know, it could be your phone or a book, um, but have, have have something that helps you be at peace in, in
0: in the traffic, in the, you know, in whatever situation you're in. Uh, now, if you're traveling with others, and I'm going to use the example of children, how can you help them do that sort of uh, stress relief uh, with your mind and, and just <laughs> zenning out, I guess, for lack of a better term? You, you, you teach by demonstration.
1: You know, you teach by example. So you're not doing your kid any good, or your neighbors for that matter, if you're freaking out. And you're you know you're loud and you're um, agitated, so you know you teach your children, and I and I have children. I've got well they're all you know in their mid twenties to mid thirties now, but Mm -hmm. they traveled all over the. They've traveled to dozens of countries and in almost all of the the United States. They traveled all the way across Canada, been through your area, and you know I taught them through demonstration. You, you, You teach peace by being at peace. You teach relaxation by teaching people methods to relax you know just simple meditations for example
0: uh yeah just just find a, a thing that that calms you down and makes you relax and and teach your children the same thing and you'll have a much better holiday travel trip right that that's right good advice john j murphy is a award-winning author leadership expert world traveler uh, thanks for the uh, the tips and and let's hope we have uh, a stress free uh holiday <laughs> or any kind of travel uh John appreciate your time awesome. yeah thank you Randy I plan on having a stress free holiday how's that <laughs> sure. Well, the holiday season is coming up upon us, and to me, there is nothing better that gets you in the holiday spirit than spending a few days in the mountains with the snow and all the decorations. So with that, I thought we'd check in with the folks from the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge, located in the heart of Jasper National Park. And to tell us a bit more about what they have planned for the holidays, we're joined now by Stephanie Hamilton. She is the Marketing Director for the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge. Hi, Stephanie.
2: Hi, good morning.
0: It's been a while since I've been to Jasper. I'm overdue, but uh, how has the year been so far over the summer, last spring? I know it's been a few months now, probably uh, <laughs> since you've had the summer type weather. But uh.
2: it, <laughs> Yes, summer summer came and went really quickly. It, it seems to do that every year, but uh, we've actually had some really nice weather up until even right now. It's, it's about five degrees in Jasper and no snow on the ground, so we are feeling very lucky about that.
0: Uh, now, for the ski people, <laughs> no snow isn't good news, but eventually it arrives, doesn't it?
2: Well, the ski, is, the, the snow is on the hill, so that's a good thing. We like it when it's up on the mountain in November and nice and warm down here. So Marmot Basin is open. It opened uh, up on November 8th, so uh, there is snow up on the hill and people are already enjoying that.
0: Excellent. Uh, now, just for those who may have never stayed at the uh, Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge, give me some particulars on the hotel itself number of rooms and those types of things.
2: Sure. So um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with any of the other Fairmont properties, but each one, especially in the Canadian Rockies, are, are very different. They're very unique. So um, whereas a lot are, are big buildings or, you know, Banff is the castle, Jasper is is different and unique in that it's spread out over 700 acres of property. So we have 446 guest rooms, including uh, uh, nine signature cabins, which are sprawling over beautiful grounds uh, in a UNESCO World Heritage Site, right on the shore of a beautiful green lake, Lac Beauvert.
0: Nice. And you have uh, the option of different types of uh, accommodations, right? I'm just uh a Looking on the website, the Fairmont.com websites, uh, cedar chalets, uh, signature cabins, tell me some of the differences that people can choose from.
2: Yeah, so, so they range anywhere from, basically they're all spread out throughout the property and they're individual uh, rooms, uh, cabins you could call them. Um, anywhere from our standard Fairmont room to our junior suites, we have uh, rooms with lake views, we have signature cabins which are basically self-contained almost like little condo cabins. So you can bring your entire family. They range anywhere from one bedroom all the way up to eight bedrooms. They can sleep up to 16 people. Nice. And those have, yeah, they have their own kitchens. They have their own patios, uh, fireplaces, uh, just a nice space that you can call your own while you're here.
0: So okay. now what are some of the amenities that uh, your guests can enjoy while staying there?
2: Uh, We have a lot of things for our guests to do. So it really varies depending on the season you're here. So, um, of course, in the summer, there are things like canoeing and kayaking on the lake, paddleboarding, mountain biking. We have stables on property so you can go horseback riding. Um, And then in the winter, we change over to all the snowy adventures. So snowshoeing, cross-country skiing. One of my favorite things to do here in the winter is skating on Lake Mildred. So that's right on property. We have skate rentals. So you can grab a pair of skates, head over to the lake. You're surrounded by mountains, and it's absolutely beautiful.
0: Oh, I guess. It's got to be uh, gorgeous. There's nothing, I say there's nothing better than uh, wintertime in the mountains, and especially uh, the holiday season in the mountains. So let's talk a little bit about that. What are some of the uh, events that you have uh, coming up for that?
2: Yeah, we're gearing up for Christmas. We've already got um, decorations up all over the hotel. I'm um, not sure if you know this, but we actually kick off Christmas and the festive season with an event in the first two weeks of November called Christmas in November. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've got over 10 days about 1,800 guests that come through. There are Food Network celebrity chefs that are here. And everybody is eating and drinking and mingling and learning tips and tricks for the holidays. So <laughs> it's a ton of fun. So we've had Christmas in, in at the lodge since uh, the beginning of November. So we're, we're well into the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, as we move into the Christmas season, uh, we, we offer our guests um, all sorts of things like visits from Santa, ca- uh, Christmas carols, tree lighting ceremony. Uh, e- each of our guest rooms actually comes with a little tree that you can decorate so you don't feel like you're missing that out at home. Oh, cool. In, as a family decorate your tree together.
0: Nice and now uh, obviously uh, New Year's is another big uh, event that's coming up if people are looking to to get away for that what uh, kind of things are planned for uh, New Year's?
2: Uh, we have a couple of options for New Year's so um, we do kind of a, a huge party in the Beauvais ballroom so that's our biggest dining area that we have and we have everyone in there enjoying a beautiful buffet dinner throughout the night Um, And then there's a midnight countdown celebration that happens in the Great Hall where everybody counts down, families, couples, children, everybody's there. Um, We also have a private adult-only section where we have people in the Moose's Nook, which is our chop house, and it's a more high-end five-course fine dining experience for everybody.
0: Very nice. Now, what about the town itself? Uh, Again, like I haven't been there for a while, uh, I imagine the hotels and everyone all gets together during the holiday season and kind of celebrates together, don't they?
2: I think so. Um, Christmas is, it's just a really nice feel in the town of Jasper. It's it's a very cozy town, so there's lights everywhere, um, and especially when the, the snow falls, and we usually do get a nice Dump of snow just before Christmas, so <laughs> it's always just it gives you that that good festive feeling.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't talk about food. Uh, you touched on it during uh, some of the uh, celebrations you have and the events having, but in in general, what are some of the uh, different experiences people could enjoy uh, on site?
2: Uh, we have a few different restaurant options. So um, our, as I mentioned before, our Nook Chop House, the Moose's Nook, is uh, our kind of uh, fine finer dining area that we have focusing on uh, Canadian cuisine, a lot of Alberta beef. If you like steak, that is the place for you to go when you're on site, definitely. Um, we have Orso uh, Restaurant, which is our Italian, Northern Italian restaurant that's open mainly in the summer. In the winter, we do open it for breakfast. So beautiful buffet breakfast. And the, the scene in this restaurant is absolutely gorgeous. You're overlooking lac Beauvert, huge windows, Tables all next to the window. So it's a really, really lovely experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: our Emerald Lounge is probably the most popular um, for people to come into, to, for locals and guests. So uh, beautiful cocktails, snacks. Uh, it's lovely. Again, <laughs> looking looking over out the windows at Lac Beauvais.
0: We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the spa. After a day of skiing, it would be great to go and relax in a spa.
2: Oh, the spa is amazing. I've never felt sheets like I have felt in this spa. I don't know <laughs> what <laughs> I don't know where they come from. They are amazing. They're beautiful. Um, and and it we've actually been awarded the uh, number 1 spa in Alberta. Really? I didn't know that. Fantastic. And the number 3 spa in Canada. So nice. a must do when you're here, especially in the winter. You know, it's it's outside, you go into the spa in the, the lounge where you come in and, and relax before your treatment. There's a fireplace and nice uh, nice, relaxing, cozy with blankets and, and tea and it's it's wonderful.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, now with obviously ski season is upon us. Uh, do you offer packages and different types of packages, say if I wanted to go snowshoeing and that type of thing, uh, can you offer those things to your guests?
2: We do, absolutely. So we have a lot of, uh, of those activities right here on property. And some of the different packages we, we offer to guests include all those things. So for example, we have one called 99 Ways to Play. And what that includes is any activities you can do on site, as well as things that you can do off site book through our concierge. So um, if you wanted to go skiing and you book it through concierge, you can use a resort credit to, towards that so that you can enjoy everything around jasper nice on and off property and then if you are just looking strictly for skiing we have a couple of ski packages that we offer uh one is actually called ski for free so you can imagine you book (laughs) you book your room nights and then you get uh tickets included in that
0: that's really nice uh anything that i've missed you might want to add
2: oh well we hope to see you soon we hope to see everybody here this winter jasper is really just a beautiful place to be in the winter. People often think that winter is our high and busy season and mm-hmm. that if they come here it's going to be packed and you know it's not at all. It's it's quiet here in the winter but the, the lineups at the Ski Hill are very short in the winter and, and yeah it's just a great place to be. Cool.
0: Uh, you can find out more information on the Fairmont website, fairmont.com. Uh, Stephanie Hamilton is the Director of Marketing for the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge. It was a pleasure chatting Stephanie, appreciate it.
2: Thank you very much. Have a great day.
0: Well, every once in a while, we like to have our good friend, travel writer and blogger, Paula Worthington, join us to share her latest travel experiences. And she always ends up going to interesting places and off the beaten path a little bit and recently paula visited the area surrounding dublin ireland and paula is here now to tell us more about it her website by the way is wanderswild.com hi paula hello randy i always like chatting with you because you uh, visit interesting places Um, we're going to talk about going to dublin but not just dublin other areas so tell us uh, where your trip began and what prompted you to visit there
3: so I was back in Ireland again. I think we talked a little bit about Ireland last year, mm-hmm. but I was there this year in a county just north of Dublin called County Meath, nice, which many people don't know is actually the home birthplace of Halloween.
0: Interesting. How do they get that title? <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, you know, the Irish have a lot of great titles, but um But a lot of people don't know is Halloween was, the concept of Halloween, which has obviously changed today, Mm. but it was really started by the ancient Celts about 2,000 years ago. And at the time, they used to have a fire celebration, which happened around the end of October, which was about halfway between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. So the harvest season was over, so that's great, you can celebrate a little bit, and for them, it, they were on a different calendar. So October 31st was actually the end of the year for them. So it was a New Year celebration. Ah, as well. uh-huh. They believed that uh, at that time of year, as you're heading into the new year, the veil between the world of the living and the dead was sort of raised a little bit and there was some movement back and forth. So um, a lot of traditions came out of um, this festival, which they call Samhain, and it's it's spelled not like it sounds in in our with our accent. It's spelled S A M H A I N, and that was their traditional festival. And, and one of the traditions was the um, the people were always a little suspicious. You know, if they had to leave their their dwelling at night during this time. So they would don a costume so that if the spirits were wandering around and saw them, they would just think that it was another spirit. Really? Wandering so <laughs> you can see how that has uh, has made its way through the centuries. Yeah. And a lot of those traditions uh, um, came over, actually, when a lot of the Irish immigrated to North America in the 1800s during the potato famine. Um, some of these traditions came with them. So. That's why we have the Irish to thank for Halloween. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, more than that, they've they've actually really brought it to life. So I had the chance to take part in the first ever Puka Festival, which is a festival that's put on um, with three small towns that are just north of Dublin that, that are really in, in the area. You know, there's a hill uh, called the Hill of Ward, which is where the very first Fire was lit, and and where they would have this New Year celebration 2,000 years ago. So these towns really come to life now at this time of year, and there's all kinds of culinary feasts you can take part in because there's so many great farms in the area. Um, We got to take part in a procession with lanterns through the town of Trim, which, if you've heard of Trim, um, you may not know the name of the town, but they have a Beautiful twelfth century castle there, which was front and center in the movie Braveheart oh, back really? in the nineteen nineties. So, it you know when you when you're walking by a twelfth century castle, you, you don't really need any other Halloween decor, um, but
0: <laughs> it kind of does <laughs> yeah, it on yeah, Exactly, own exactly right. It's
3: history we don't we don't have in Canada, but um, you know the procession was was really great. A lot of music and um, lanterns and light, and it wasn't really the the Spooky stuff that we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, there were certainly people in costume, but it was really more um, felt like a, a lot of light and celebration, and of course, um, some fun folklore and stories and great food to go along with it.
0: Yeah, no kidding. So, did you find this on your own, or how did you discover this place?
3: Discovered through Tourism Ireland, and and uh, and they actually have a they have a Puka Festival website, which kind of showcases all the different events and things happening. So you can kind of, you can pick and choose and stay in one of the towns or stay in a couple of towns, and then decide from there where you want to go. Um, the following night, we actually went to Slane Castle, which is um, a castle that has hosted huge rock concerts like U2 and. Bruce Springsteen and the Rolling Stones, and they have an on-site um, whiskey distillery, which is very convenient, but, uh, <laughs> but they had a great um, sowing feast as well. So you can really use the festival as a way of kind of choosing your own adventures and picking where you'd like to go and the things you'd like to do, uh-huh. but it falls over the three days um, starting kind of Halloween and then wrapping up on November 2nd.
0: Wow, cool. Now, where did you stay, and, and what were some of the people like in that area?
3: People, I mean, all the way across Ireland, everyone is just so friendly and hospitable. Um, you want to make sure you do a lot of walking during the day because um, they feed you really well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's always a lot of great food and a great local culinary scene. You know, they, they, there's a lot of organic farming, um uh, you can actually go and visit some of the farms, and and you know that you don't often think about culinary with Ireland, but they really do have a really great culinary scene. A lot of great fish, fresh fish that comes out of the ocean, um, and there's a lot of really great small inns and hotels in and around those towns as well.
0: Uh, now, uh, obviously, it's easy to get to if you're just not too far from Dublin, right?
3: Yeah. so Some of these towns are generally about 45 minutes from the Dublin airport. So they make for a, a great, um, a great kind of launch pad, whether you want to then go into Dublin for a day or two or work your way around uh, the different towns. So, so I spent about five days in and around that area and then finished up with two days in Dublin at the end.
0: Nice. Now, what were the accommodations like in the smaller areas?
3: They were fantastic. Uh, we stayed at one hotel, you know, which is new by Irish standards, but it but it used to be a school, and it's been there since 1867. So there's a lot of, if you like, kind of the historic inns, 14-, 16-, 18-room type of hotels. They all have breakfast included. You can have your full Irish breakfast in the morning, Um then, then, this is a, a great area to go and explore.
0: What's an Irish breakfast, by the way? <laughs> what well, entails an a, Irish potato- breakfast? <laughs>
3: well, potatoes, of course. Uh, there's usually some blood pudding in there, uh, eggs. Uh, it's very hearty. It gets you through the whole day.
0: <laughs> and now, what were, like, you talked about some of the general things, but what are some of the things that really stood out for you? That kind of just going, kind of, "Wow, I didn't know that," or, or "Wowed you."
3: Well, just the the incredible history in the whole area. There's a, a place called Grange, which is in that same county, right? You know, within a few minutes of the other towns I was talking about, and it has these huge mounds that um, have these tombs inside of them, and um, you can go and explore and around. And you you have to go on a tour, but it's it's easy to get on a tour. You can show up, and they take you to these sites. And these mounds are absolutely massive, upwards of you know 90 meters wide, and they're 5,000 years old. So they're oh, wow. older than the older than the pyramids. Older than Stonehenge, um, but much less known. So you get to really learn and experience um, a lot of history that goes, you know, goes back to before the Egyptians. And then, of course, when you think of these roots of Halloween, going back two thousand years. And then there were some battles that were fought in the area. The Battle of the Boyne was in the 1600s. So um, they kind of say that that all of Ireland really started in this county, hmm. in County Meath, just north of Dublin.
0: Interesting. Uh, and now, obviously, if you're not going to visit there during Halloween, you're, uh, there's lots of other history that you're talking about that you can explore and, and uh, learn about, right?
3: Definitely. There's lots to see. Um, you know, the towns themselves, if you get to go and, you know, in Trim, you get to go and have a tour of a 12th century castle. That's not the kind of thing you get to do in Canada very often. So, <laughs> no, yeah.
1: Um,
3: yeah, it's it's really great. And the people are um, really interested and, and they really want to share their history and share their story. Um, so there's always there's plenty to see at any time of year.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, anything that I missed that you want to add?
3: Um, just want to chat quickly about Dublin. Uh, I did spend, you know, a lot of people do flying in out of Dublin, and and it is a fantastic city. Um, I had to, I had been there before, so I've I've done the Guinness tour, and I've done Trinity College, and so this time I I found a couple of of other cool little places, uh, which I'll quickly mention. Mm-hmm. One is. Marsh's Library, which is near St. Patrick's Cathedral, and for those who have maybe visited the long room at Trinity College and seen all the thousands of books, this is a much smaller library, but it's actually from the 1700s, and the books are on the shelves in the same place, the 1700s. Wow. um, They had a great Halloween exhibit because it's the library where Bram Stoker used to read when he was young. So uh, they had some books on display that that he had loaned out back in the day, and so so who knows if that inspired some of his great writing? But I'm sure there was there was some link back to it. And the other one, you know, I find sometimes when I'm traveling, I I love museums, but you, you know, you can hit a you can hit your fill after a while. <laughs> and I found a place called the Little Museum of Dublin, and it's in a it's in an old Georgian house. Um, it's all artifacts that have been donated by Dubliners. So things that people found, whether it's artifacts or products or posters, and you work your way through rooms with a guide, it takes you less than an hour. It's about a 45-minute tour. And they just show you and tell stories about all of these things that come from different decades. And they really tell the story about the history of Dublin. And it's just a fantastic place. Uh, it really gives you a, a, a nice overview of Dublin. It's small groups um, and I just can't say enough about the quality of, of the information and the guides and it's a great Stop off, especially if you've just arrived into Dublin, just arrived into Ireland, and you want to get that, that quick lowdown on the history and, and some interesting stories about it, too.
0: Cool. Well, you can find out more on Paula's website, wanderswild.com, the Irish roots of Halloween, and Paula Worthington, uh, travel writer and blogger. Uh, always a pleasure to chat, Paula. Thank you.
3: Thanks so much.
0: And that is this week's Informed Traveller podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.